Hey all, it's Paul from Drums and Rums with the Backbeats Meets the Spirits. This episode is sponsored by Club Tiki. Visit them at clubtikico.com to order rum-based cocktails in a can. Use promo code Drums and Rums to receive a discount, and if you order four four packs or more, you'll get free shipping. They can the tropics so you don't have to. Now here's the track Glass Jar off of the EP Working for a Future from our guest Rene Rivera and his band Loch Ness Monster. Hey all, it's Paul from Drums and Rums with the Backbeats Meets the Spirits, and on this episode 104, we've got a familiar face back on the podcast there. Yes, you know him, you love him. Well, if you don't know him, you will love him. Yeah, all the ladies, all the ladies want some. <laughs> all right, yeah, shh, hopefully girl, you know, your fiance's not listening. So, all right, so don't worry, I said it, not you. But anyway, so on this podcast, we've got a returning, uh, we've got a, an alum, we have also you were a co-host mm-hmm. in quite a few shows and uh you're your drummer you got you got there's a lot here so we we've, we've got a lot of history over over uh over the two year period and we'll talk a little bit about I want to talk a little bit about that it's been been quite some time since we've met up and got caught up uh some of the new stuff you got going on with your band and uh just music in general so let me welcome to the podcast Renee Rivera hello hello thank you i think i had no nope no applause yeah, there we go. You just can't hear it. That's all. There you go. So, <laughs> so let's start this off right, Renee. All right. So I know when you were our first on the podcast, episode two, way back, this was when, if you guys want a good laugh and see how I've progressed, and this is actually a really great humbling thing is to go back and, you know, especially like if you're you know, doing music, right, or performing, right, right. it's great to go back and it's like, okay, I did get better, or hopefully, hopefully you got better, right? And... Uh, Renee was episode two guest with his at the time bass player uh, in his current band Loch Ness Monster. This was the infamous. This was a three hour podcast that I taped. We used the Yeti mic for the three of us. We were over at the drum shack. We drank a whole bottle of rum when I didn't know what the hell I was actually doing just yet. And that was just a lot of there was a lot of video. There was a lot of editing. That's why that episode. That was a podcast part two, A and B, I think is what I called it. So, yeah, that was an oh, interesting fight, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, let's start that off and let's drink some more rum. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way to kick it off. Yeah. Actually, no, before we go on, though, in all honesty, that was a pretty dope, like, <laughs> experience. And it was pretty well done, even though it was, like, kind of like the second virgin, virgin <laughs> voyage <laughs> podcasting. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't even, we just started talking and having a good oh. time. And I don't even think, I don't even think we were that kind of lit. We were like a little buzz, but not like crazy. But Init- Initially. Initially. But uh, yeah, the conversation was just great. So I guess that's more of a testament to your ability to be a cool cat to talk yeah, to. Yeah, well, man. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's exactly what I've always tried to do with the podcast was, you know, this is just the conversation we're having at the bar, right? We bump into each other. Oh, hey, you play drums? Oh, yeah, I I kind of, kind of try to still play drums. I, I do a dr- lot more rum than I've done drums lately. So I know I'm probably bumming out all the drum fans, but yeah, that was it. You're exactly right. It's just, you know, three guys were just 
hanging out, talking about all sorts of things. All kinds of stuff. History, you know, we learned a lot about, you know, again, I, I've known you for, you know, quite a while that time, but didn't know some of the yeah, yeah, yeah. history, you know, um, how you got it, how you got, how you've gotten into a country music band and, <laughs> you know, from things like that. And, uh, and yeah, it's gone, gone a long way. And, you know, and then again, forged a whole lot of other, you know, good friendships and yeah. to help me out on a lot of other stuff in the podcast, you know, creator of our logo there, the drums and rums logo, the, the drum head. And actually this one here too, which is famously on our new bar shelves. Mm. So we were just talking about that before the podcast yeah. was, if you're watching the video, you'll see what we're pointing to. Uh, if you're listening, obviously you have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, these, these were the drum shelves that David Rauf, did you say his name wrong yeah. again? Okay. I think you said David. Right. David R. How about that? Just go with David R. And uh, he made, and uh, yeah, so anyway, and actually was, you helped land Dave, right? Yeah. I think that was during the summer of 2020. I had a lot of stuff going on outside of, outside of the podcast. I think that that I, might have been the first one, first one I sat in with. I think, I think so, yeah. That you graciously invited me because of the connect. And, yeah. Um, he was super cool. And I mean, if you guys haven't seen any of his stuff, um, definitely check him out on YouTube. It's R David R. Um, the guy is a legit craftsman in every sense of the word when it comes to drums and other kinds of cool things, such as, um, so crafty he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the first one. And then Dorothea. Yeah. But even before her, we'll get to that. Cause that was probably like an epic moment, probably in my, in my life. I'm not, I'm not saying that like lightly, but uh, you then graciously invited me again to sit in and chat with Juan Carlito Mendoza. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, because he's a school teacher up in Jersey. And even though I'm playing with a pretty, you know, reputable known band here in Florida, um, I got a full-time hustle because I'm not famous yet. Um so I'm a school teacher as well, and I teach history. So I think, you know, from your perspective, you're trying to kind of link that commonality there to kind of see what we yep. can get. Um, and, yeah, dude was super cool. So, you know, one, if you listen to this or whatever, I mean, phenomenal. I, you know, kind of follow him on Facebook and most of his socials, and I'll shoot him, a, you know, a message here or there, you know, on special events or whatnot, and he'll shoot me back. Just very kind and gracious. And then the creme de la creme, not to say that the other two, was freaking Dorothea Taylor, the godmother of drums. And I'm not going to front. Like, she, I, I thought I was going to pee my pants. She was so freaking, oh. she was amazing. Come on. She, I, and she's what? That was, what, six months, a year ago? I, it was probably, yeah, close to about a year ago. It was summer. It was the summertime. Yeah. And she's what, 67? Right, be careful now, Renee. I know. You know just, about the ages and women. I know, my bad. Yeah. My bad. Let's just say she's super cool. She's amazing. Yes. Yeah, and then shoot, what the heck? Like a couple on Jimmy Fallon? I know. I She was on our show before Jimmy Fallon's show. There That's you go. Right. That's Take it. That, Jimmy. I'll tell you what, when she showed on that night on, on the Tonight Show, and I watched it, you know, the first run uh, that night, and. I was like, this is so cool. And again, you know, I know she's playing with Quest Love and, you know, there's a little bit of hamming going on, which sure. but still was awesome. I mean, I, I, yeah, she could take Quest Love. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like videoing and then, uh, in a posting on Instagram, tagged her, Jimmy. And I'm like, I think it was probably the most viewed story I ever had on oh, Instagram. Oh, cool. Because I'm like, she was on That's Drums awesome. and Rums before Jimmy Fallon's show. You heard her first. That's Go right. watch it. Yes. And even I think Nick Cannon's show. She was also on Nick Cannon's show. She was. That's right. So she see, was. 
too. I'm not saying that I made Dorothy a famous, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, let's get the drinking. All right. Cause we got to start here. So, all right. So the last, like we said, last time Renee was on was eons ago, March, April of 2020. Right. And again, I was just still figuring things out. We're in the middle of the pandemic heavy. No, it was just before your episode was the last episode. Yeah. I right? only got two episodes in. And then everyone was like, ooh, cooties don't want to be around anybody, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's a lot has evolved. We went from, like I said, the Yeti mic uh, to, you know, a little bit more sophisticated. No, I think it's sophisticated. Nuts. <laughs> and to uh, we've got a questionnaire now because that was always difficult trying to, you know, figure out what people want to talk mm-hmm. about, what I want to ask them, et cetera. Now we have some questionnaire. And so you fill out the questionnaire. And by the way, the one question about the T-shirt, you already got your shirt. I'm, yeah, like, no, I'm not giving you another damn shirt, okay? <laughs> So, but the one question today that it was on there was, you know, what's your favorite cocktail? What's your favorite drink? You know, and uh, you did answer was bourbon and Coke. Yeah. Or whiskey and Coke or something. Whiskey and Coke. My go-to for the longest was always Jack and Coke. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I have a really good buddy of mine uh, who's actually an accountant. He's our, our family accountant. Great dude. Um, and he got me going on bourbons and then he's part of like some bourbon club or whatever, where he gets some like creme de la creme, uh, choice bottles okay. for a relatively good, good rate because of his membership. And it's like, it was like a moth to a flame, dude. Like after that, I'm like, Hmm, this is, this oh, is delicious. He's, he's doing the B club. <laughs> But, all right, we're gonna, but we're, we got no B here. We're just gonna give him the R. We're good. The R for Renee. So here we go. <laughs> dun, 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 drum roll. All right, so we've got. So this is also feller. A lot again for those of you who are watching the video uh, up on the shelves behind Renee here. These are all of the rums that we've had from guests who have come on who own a company or distillery or something to that effect. So these are all alums up on the back shelf there, and I pulled off here as a local one. I think you are you, you're gonna. I think you like it with what your bourbon taste is. Um, this is Knox and Dunn. They are a Florida-based company. Uh, it is barrel, uh, straight barrel. It is eighty-six proof. Uh, so, so we're gonna give you a little bit there. Eighty-six proof. Yep, eighty-six proof. Like well, hey, you're gonna drink those those bourbons are up there too. Yeah, man. no, I mean whatever. So and then we're gonna pour a little bit of like I said. That's all I got. He asked for Di- Coke, but that's all I've got is actually. Man. I ain't complaining. Well, and I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to have something a little different here. So, let's see. Can I see that bottle so we give uh, who are these guys yeah. again? Yep. So, yeah, so big Knox shout out there to Chris. Chris, uh, they're from Knox and Dunn. They are local. He is, uh, yeah, he's always up to something. So he's, he wants to do some music here. So dope bottle he wants too. to be involved in some music. So we, if we could talk about it. So we'll, we'll throw him out right up there. Very cool. Right next to our scorpion drumstick. So, all right, so let me get something here, too. Go grab some. I'm gonna grab some Bombarda there. I'm almost done with this one. So this one here is that another one of that? Yeah, this is a little bit aged, right? The one that's sitting on the bar on the on the uh, on the carriage there is aged. So this it, this one I'm, I just poured was a five year, and this one's an eighteen. So oh, yeah, so it's a little bit different there. So uh, yeah, so all right. So there we go. So here we go. Cheers. Wunderbar. Here, here's the friendship. Here's the drums. Salute, sir. Dude, that's pretty dope. All right, there you go. Not gonna lie. Uh, All right, well done, uh, Knox and Dunn. That's right, Florida base. So great. Um, 
So yeah, so let's 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 jump into it. So like we said, we did a little bit of reminiscing that walking down memory lane there from two years ago. We've done a lot of episodes. We've come, you know, again, I, I'm amazed. After that episode, like I said, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do because of the pandemic and whether I would keep things going. Mm-hmm. Now I have to figure out if I'm going to continue this and lockdown happen. Do I figure out Zoom? I wasn't ready to go to Zoom that soon. Um, you and half of the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and we all and we all we were joking with a couple a couple weeks ago with Annie Blake, uh, the owner of the Falcon Falcon House and Bar down in Del Rey. We were laughing because she'd been doing remote working prior to the pandemic. That was what she did in sales. And she goes, I said, we still can't figure out the mute button, right? Two years, two and a half years later, we still can't figure out how to double mute people and things like that. So I don't know. So true. It's, it's, it's funny. So, uh, but yeah, we've gone through that and, and the pandemic and the remote and then continue working. And like I said, we were talking there about helping, you know, you're really, I appreciate you definitely helping during that summer was keep moving things along. I know you were very jazzed about, you know, trying to get folks, you know, David and, uh, Juan and yeah. you know and everybody and trying to pull pull all those things together and uh, so I appreciate you definitely helping out because because I pretty much do this by myself and mm-hmm. you know and I always try to figure out how to uh, how to expand or how to ask for help or or grow the podcast which we'll talk a little bit on the happy hour show that's uh you're at eight o'clock uh, here and th- if you're listening to this it's already happened but <laughs> but every Thursday night at eight o'clock on Facebook our Facebook page we do a happy hour. Well, the biggest happy hour in a half an hour. We just have a good time. We talk about things, talk up the podcast, what's coming on, play a few games and so forth. And the reason why I mentioned that was uh, we will talk about some things, about some opportunities with another podcaster here locally, uh, expanding, trying to maybe build out a podcast network cool. and things like that. So, wow. Yeah. So all, all that, all that to come. But yeah. So, so what's happened, you know, what's been going on with Loch Ness Monster since, you know, since, yeah, let's, let's just go back to about maybe that summer timeframe of 2020. Yeah, I think so. Before, I think we actually kind of met to do our, our interview. We had just like late February, early, no, that's not true. Early March of 2020, we had gone into the studio to start recording uh, some tracks for our our new EP um, called Working for a Future. And I'm probably going to say just like everybody else, like we really weren't, what's the word I'm trying to use here? I guess we weren't really, f- we knew that COVID was around. We knew that stuff was happening. I don't think, like the majority of everybody else, we imagined or even thought that it would get to the point where it was, it did. Right. Um, so, you know, just kind of wanting to stay creative and busy, you know, the year and change before that, we were just writing, writing, writing and orchestrating some stuff. I think we initially were like, well, let's put out like a, you know, a full EP or excuse me, full LP, a full album. And then we were like, no, let's just do another EP just to see what happens and just kind of keep building that, you know, because everything is different now. There's no market for a full album unless you've got like a, you know, gajillion fans or you're a nerd like me and you still like to go buy the full album CD or vinyl. Um... 
so yeah, we hit the studio. And so this time it was interesting because in the last two kind of recording situations, um, the band had recorded a full EP back in 2015 and dropped it in 2016. And that was recorded up in Ocala by a gentleman uh, named uh, James Paul Wisner. And the dude's a monster. He's a gold record uh you know, awarded recording engineer, producer. He's recorded, I'm pretty certain, most if not all of the albums for Under Oath, The Dangerous Summer. I mean, some big hitters. So this studio, this studio in Ocala, is it, or is it like a house studio, or is it like a... No, it's in his crib. Like, um, he's got a house, nice size house. It's kind of trippy. Like, because, you know, when you look at the guy's resume, you're like, oh, I'm going to walk into, like, suede couch and, like, you know... Here's your drink, sir. Like, probably for you know an extra two trillion dollars, but but not to knock not to knock our Ocala listeners. I, I just don't see you know Ocala does not hit me as a very very rural. It just it's about yeah, an hour and a half. Actually, Ocala maybe a little further south, um, okay. like Kissimmee. Okay, kind of okay. like in that general area, Central, Central, Central Florida. Florida. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, dude, but it was it was sick. Like he's um, so. I, I knew of him or became familiar with him when we went in to go record our self-titled EP, um, which was kind of the second project that we had done. And you know, you don't know what you don't know what you're getting into at first. You're just like, okay, whatever. And uh, his living room is you know wood floors, paneling. He's got a either a full grand pian uh, grand piano in the foyer there of the living room. And then he's got like a slightly elevated stage. It's got like the baffle panelings underneath it. Pulls his kit out, and then he puts up all these uh, kind of cages you win literally um, with these sound dampening pillars. And you go to town. And then in the other room, which uh, you know I think used to be the master, he's got, I mean, a forty-seven inch flat screen with. Um, Pro Tools kicked up this dope-looking reclining chair that looks like he's on the USS Enterprise. Like, he literally looks like he's freaking... This is, like, this lounge chair mixing oh, dude, it's, recording. And he's, like... He's, like, superhuman, dude. I've never seen fingers move that fast on a freaking keyboard with the shortcuts, and it was incredible. Like, if you want to hear the quality, go check out um, Fables and go check out um, our second e, uh, self-titled EP, Loch Ness Monster. So that being great and all, um, we kind of were like, well, we we love and appreciate and respect what uh, James does, what he brings to the table, but we wanted to kind of do less of a of a produced kind of sound to the uh, to the new EP or the tracks on it. So we kind of shopped around. So we started a couple months before we had sat down to do episode two. Um, we met up with some cats up in Stewart up there called Raincat Studio. Uh, two great guys, uh, Brian Lamar and Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff, I forget your name, but great, great guys. Um, and I think we were booked there for three or four days. If memory serves me right, I think it was four days. Uh, drums were tracked and recorded. And at that time when we did, I should say, Excuse me. We had met to only record two because we had two that were like already done done. And then if we were going to go back, we would um, bang out 
whatever additional tracks uh, on this new EP. Um, after everything was checked, line checked, um, drums were done within like two, three hours. Um, and then, you know, just everything getting, you know, layered on top of it. Now I heard you had, you had done that in one take. Yeah. <laughs> Impressive. Thanks. <laughs> well, he's going to take a sip. He's going to take a sip. Baskin is proud. Well, accolades. no. <laughs> no. It's, I'm not a very You're so good, modest. I am not a very good compliment taker. Like, I just feel so weird, but I do appreciate it. Well, and that was one of the kind things, too, that um, the two guys had said about us. And it's kind of become uh, a staple of Loch Ness Monster is that we we rehearse like a mother to make sure that when we get into that studio, um, you know, no one has their finger up their butt um, and we're wasting time or trying to, you know, do the writing session there. Right. Um, we do all of our preparation and all of that stuff weeks, if not months ahead. Right. It time, time is money, right? Oh, dude, yeah. So you, you want to come in and knock it out, get it over, no bullshit, just in and out and, and done. Back, right. So, so if, if you had all the money in a record contract, somebody else was paying for the bill, would you fuck around then? That's yep. a good question. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna guess no. I still think you guys are gonna, you know. Yeah, I think you, we're too yeah. we're too like in we're too intent on really kind of having you a, pro- a you vision. You got a process. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe if we wanted to kind of go into some weird, wild way, but I, if and when Loch Ness makes it, um, I don't I don't think we would ever be that. I don't want to say like frivolous or irresponsible. Okay, so so I I don't mean to interrupt the story where where you're going here, right? So uh, and this is where I want to segue into and really press press on some conversation. Mm -hmm. All right, so you're discussing recording uh, original music for Loch Ness Monster, and I just asked a question that if if money wasn't your wasn't a problem, um, somebody else was paying for it, etc. Would you would you be a little bit more casual or take a little longer. So now let's think now something that's also come out since we've last talked is obviously the end of last year. If you haven't checked it out, definitely please check it out. It's if you're a Beatles fan or, or whatnot, it's a great, it's a long documentary. I know what you're talking about. Okay. It's a long documentary, but you want to talk about an insight into probably one of the most popular bands in the world. I think my, you know, the listeners of Drums and Rums, I, I think, is probably all some level of Beatles fan. Um, but you look at that, that recording, they just went in there and just, I, and again, I know that was on the twilight of their career. Sure. So, but just the creativity and, and you know, the, the, their process. Again, now somebody else is paying for their stuff. It was their studio originally, right? And all that. So. But, I mean, I think, like, I, I can't really say because I'm not, for the bands that are doing that now, I could be wrong. And if I am, please, someone let me know. Um, but I think most cats are, like, spending, what, two months, maybe three, 
They go in completely fresh with nothing. I still think, though, what's remarkable about watching that is that the Fab Four did it in two freaking weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're really... I, and I think that that's a testament of their their ability, they, the, who they are, right? They're, yeah, yeah. Just the songwriting, the song, how, yeah, I agree. Songwriting, their musicianship, you know, as players themselves. Um, and then not just only that, but uh, the trust in one another. Now, if for, I mean, I'm not given too many spoilers of it. I mean, it, it is interesting. Like when you do watch it, you know, I think we, I think I even mentioned it before when you're, when you're in a band of any type for any longevity or long period of time, it is like a family. Um, and at times, just like any kind of family, it can be a little dysfunctional, not to the point where, where, you know, everyone's at odds, but you know, people have opinions and people have what, or people get their feelings hurt or people get frustrated um, that's just part of the natural progression of it. Um, and I think, I mean, there's tons of history of bands who the, the whole environment right. was toxic and they created some incredible right. things. So that energy kind of, you know, fed it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, music is a different style of communication. Yeah. So you know what what i play on the drums or what i f- is what i'm feeling and it needs to kind of express what i what i want to express right. but also complement what you know my buddy justin's trying to express when he's playing guitar or our singer bruce what he's trying to convey in his lyrics and his story um so that takes a lot of trust and i think that that's something that's definitely you know shown in that documentary about the beatles that's fantastic and i think the same is said by no means to even try to put what we're doing on the same scale of the beatles but when we go in there we trust each other that we're going to be ready um there are moments where there's that magical you know mistake or that turns into like oh that sounded actually better than what we thought before so let's yeah like you know ride with it Right. Um, and have a good time. So, you know, and that was that was the process for the e- uh, the first self titled EP, and then this going go around with the first you know two tracks, which were um, Glass Jar and Atlas at Rain Cats was the same same idea. So you know we were all set and we finished what we had to do. Sunday Monday comes around. Tuesday, like the universe stops, and then we were supposed we were slated to go back sometime that week again as well to kind of do a mixing session. But of course, no one could go anywhere. People were kind of you know uh, justifiably freaked out, you know. So it was a lot of remote conversations with the guys, emails and things like that. So they sent us some stuff. Um, the, the mix for Atlas, phenomenal. Um, the mix for Glass Jar vocally was on point. We were getting there, but we were not fully like, mm, let's fin, you know, this is going to be the one that's going to be put on the EP. And so, um, 
waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, then, you know, oh, we could start now rehearsing again. So we start rehearsing again down in Marquee and uh, Deerfield. Start doing that. And then we wrote another tune while we were there. Um, and then a couple months trying to get that all kind of orchestrated or whatnot. Um, and then we were just kind of like with the angst. We're like, you know, damn it, we got two songs already track it it starts yeah, yeah we got one that's set let's let's go and record this new one that we have called running away um and it wasn't anything personal just you know just again just trying to see you know we could find and then we kind of shifted and went down to a studio in miami called uh bull productions down in uh you know deep miami great guys um you know, start our mixing and recording there for running away. And then we presented them with the option and we're just like, you know, hey man, could you guys uh, do a remix of um, Glass Jar, which had already been, principal recording was done over there and they did a bang up job. So uh, we now had three finalized tunes. I think we were going to try to do a fourth one. But I don't recall who it was. It might have been Justin, um, who's our guitar player. But he suggested the idea of kind of reprising um, one of the tracks off of Fables, That's kind, of, which is the first uh, full EP. Um, now, the first full EP, um, I came into the band seven years ago, so I kind of like, ha, 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 since I've been like the elder statement. I'm like, this is my band, bitches. Like, I got ownership in this as well. Um, and then there's Justin, who's the founder. Um, Bruce has been there now for four years. So it's been a, a good conglomeration. And then, um, we did have a bass player by the name of Brad Evanson, who was the gentleman that sat with us that one day and, uh, you know, just life and things, uh, called him to kind of move, uh, not out of state, but just move on from what we were doing. And, you know, he left amicably. And um, we've got a new cat by the name of Federico uh, Carradini. He's from Italy. Um, so he's in now, and he he's brought some cool stuff that was uh, kind of added into the single. Uh, just different rhythmic patterns. Like, the crux of it all was kind of still there. Um, but he just overlaid some additional kind of, like, spice and flavors. So... What's what I guess what's what's it like, you know, after playing a while, especially as that episode we did with episode two was um, you know, drum, obviously drummer, but then also the first our first, I think we've had a couple since then, uh rhythm section that had joined uh the podcast. And I mean, what are some of those different nuances? I'm, again, I'm not trying to tell you get get you to, to compare or pay you know, but again there's certain nuances I think you can probably you know, obviously playing with anybody new, right? Especially with the rhythm section. I know it's kind of a... Uh, <laughs> it always sucks for the new guy, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, hey, we, we've been here a while, and you got to catch up to us now, right? Yeah, yeah. And but, you know, the same The same could be, be said about my experience when I first joined them. Because um, it was Justin who wrote pretty much all of the music for the first uh, right. album. Um, but I think it's something that I kind of lean back to, towards again uh, that we I kind of 
said, I don't know how, how far I, I went talking about it in the first episode I was on, which was um, your level of preparedness and professionalism, for lack of a better term, in walking into that environment and that situation. And I remember the story you shared about that. It was preparing for the Burnt Biscuit gig when you were sitting in that car ride. Yeah, well, it was the same thing with, you know, Justin reached out to me. This was back in, I think I, I joined, I came came on board with them uh, tail end of 2017. So Justin reached out to me. I was out of town in Georgia with... Um, oh, I, I mixed the band up. Okay. No, you're yeah, fine. Yeah. But no, it was the same thing with them, too. And um, I didn't even have a kit, but I'm... You know, okay, fine. I, I probably looked like I was having a seizure, but I it was air drumming all over the place. But I'm also conceptual in my learning, so I, I charted everything out for... Justin, I think, sent me, like, four or five tunes just to be ready on. Um, but I listened to the whole album, and I charted out uh the original album i think has like 12 i think i had like nine out of the 12 like charted and done so i came ready and then it's funny um was it was march of this year i think was it there's a known uh country artist around here by the name of tom jackson uh and My other half was like, he puts out a post on Facebook. He's like, need a drummer, know anybody. And I go and look at freaking Facebook, and there's my name tagged on the thing. And I'm like, son of a... Thank you for volunteering me, right? Yeah, for real. I don't have the time. I don't know what's what. Um, So I was like... I think there was actually an afternoon special about peer pressuring into... uh, (laughs) Schoolhouse Rock, no. So... Um, you know, I called dude and I was like, Hey man, so I'm going to do it. Uh, the pay was great. It was very generous. And what, what he offered me, I was like, just give me, you know, give me, give me your set list on um, which he did. Now this is kind of like a two, two edged sword kind of point. One was, so he sends me a set list. Um, and I did exactly what I did. I took a day off from work and I, played it was about 50 to 60 songs from monday up until that friday um i was charting writing charting writing i listened to so many country songs that if i hear one more freaking twang i'll kill somebody for real and then uh played them out came to the came to the gig counting the first song the guy and his bandmates were like, dude, like shocked. And I was like, mm. and like, I, I hadn't played country in like a while now. Right. So I was kind of in my head driving down there. I was like, oh, I'm going to freaking shit the bed on this one. I look like a putz. Um, but no, I did it. And he w- he was very complimentary and kind. Um, offered me the job permanently. <laughs> And then, this is where the second part of the thing is, there were only six tunes out of the entire freaking set list played. The rest were all audibles. And you fake it till you make it, but that's a, a push for versatility. Like, 
you could like metal. I freaking like metal, but there's not a guarantee that you're gonna get a gig playing in a freaking death metal band or hard, uh, you know, a hardcore metal band. Right. Um. So, expose yourself to as much music as you possibly can. Um. And when you really do and kind of start to really appreciate and study it, there's not a ton that changes stylistically. Um, so that that's what saved my ass, you know, that night. So, yeah, no, so. I think that's a good point that you've, you've, you've mentioned there, Renee, is I think, again, for those, and I know a lot of the guests we've had on are pretty much full-time musicians and full-time drumming as a career or they're a teacher or somebody. Um, but I think that's an important thing for those that are listening. And, and, and you know what? And it's not just drums. I'll, I'll, I'll even go out there and outside our, you know, drum group here and say, if you want to be a musician, and I've say this all the time in the podcast, so hopefully you're all not sick of hearing me saying it, but musician first, band second. Because, like Renee said, hey, if you want to be, if you want to be a musician, and that's what you, if that's what you want your career to be, get over the fact that you have different genres, and it's a, I, okay, I, I was, I stopped myself short of saying it's a job, it is, it is technically, you're making money doing something that you really enjoy, but, sure. but, don't get so hung up on, you know, being like, oh, I'm never gonna play jazz. Well, no, well, hey. Jazz is what's going on. You might be the guy or girl. Well, and who... even, even if you're not going to play jazz, like I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that you will hate when you ask, like, well, what kind of music do you like? I literally love everything, and jazz being one of my to die for faves. And why? Well, if you like hip hop, if you like pop. If you like even metal, as crazy as that sounds, you like rock, well, that shit wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for those jazz cats right. before. Yeah. So you, you don't have to sit there and play your three, four, you know, triplet, you know, ride grooves, but shit, you got to give them props because they started, they made music what music is today, um, you know. Well, look at all the drummers people name as their top drummers. There are pretty much, I mean, you know, I asked a question, uh, you know, to all the drummers who come on, you know, uh, specific, you know, in the uh, rapid fire segment. You know, again, your you lineage and uh, Kelly Ray, I had really Kelly Ray Tubbs on last summer and she talked about drummer lineage like or or Dom Farmolero has on earlier this yeah. year was like, hey, if, why do you like this guy? Well, then go learn who that guy was was, you know, modeled after or inspired by. And then, you know, you'll further back and it's like, oh. It, 100%. Yeah, John Bonham. Okay, it's from a rock sense. You know, but then you look at who John Bonham was influenced by. It wasn't a rock guy, really, you know. Well, so, it, even it, going back to even, you know, you brought up the Beatles from before. Right. Well, if you go and you listen to any of the, you know, interviews with Paul McCartney that he does as rarely as it is, he'll flat out tell you unapologetically, he's like, Dude, the first two albums were nothing but like Delta Blues covers. You know, and that kind of chafes my panties a little bit because those 
American, Afri- you know, those African Americans who were here but so disenfranchised and cheated were revolutionizing music to and influence, right? Yeah, you know, um, you know, and then this past weekend we went to go see that that Elvis flick, um, freaking same thing. Like, dude was playing like those crooning jams from the brothers, man, and like putting his own southern fla- flavor to it but it was amazing all right i'm gonna say something i'm gonna say something real controversial now okay so since you've seen this movie i've heard a lot about it i've heard some mixed you know things uh somebody had said to me like yeah there's like rap in, you know infused in it and i was like i get that they're probably trying to hook a younger audience or more because elvis was like 50 60 years ago right yeah. but I, I don't know. Again, I know it's a generational thing, maybe. But more juice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I need to drink up more. I'll get you more ice you in go. a second. I I just don't know. I'm just not that impressed with Elvis. I, I know it's it's more any more only because he didn't write his stuff. Again, he could perform and sing and do his things. No, no props. He can sing, but you know. So as much as I, it annoys me about hearing people trashing somebody like Taylor Swift. She is involved with the, she involved with her writing process. She doesn't solely, you know, she has a writing partner. Hell, a lot rock bands in the '80s had writing partners. Hell, Desmond Child is pretty much over uh, listed on all those '80s. Yeah. But I know, I I guess I mean, I didn't grow up during that time when and with, with Elvis, obviously during that time frame. Um, I'm probably a lot more uh, a Beatles person over the Elvis person. I'm but cut even in though there for like two seconds, and then you can keep going. <laughs> I'm paddling with you in the same canoe, brother. Uh-oh. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think his, I think that the genius of him. Colonel Tom Parker. Let's just come on. Let's just call it that. Come on, Renee. Yeah. Elvis that, ain't nothing. Just, I, just, just go ahead and say it, Renee. Elvis ain't shit. Just, you can say it. I said it. It's okay. <laughs> We're in a safe zone here. You can say it now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Oh Lord! There goes all. There goes all the listeners and your followers. There goes. There goes. uh, So the president will not be listening to the podcast. This is this is a public service announcement. You can have different opinions. Yes, exactly right. It's okay. Okay, that's right. Um, I know it's odd as it sounds in this day and age, but yes, (laughs) you're right. It it was interesting, but yes, I think what the guy had a voice. There's no denying that. Um, I. There are other artists in that era that, to me, shit. Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. same freaking era, phenomenal storyteller. First time I heard the boy named Sue, I almost like ran off the road laughing because I literally was picturing this kid hating his fucking life because his name was Sue. Can you blame the guy? And like the Duke out fight at the brawl at the end of it. It's classic, you know, or Folsom Prison, where you're, you know, Folsom Prison Blues. Right. Um, so you got guys like that that are just like, wow. Um, you know, who else? You've got Buddy Holly from back then, who oh, yeah. did some incredible songs. Roy Orbison. Hell, Hank Williams. Yeah. Uber, Uber country, right? Yeah. One of the godfathers of I, it. I guess there's, you know, in that sense, that there's that myth and that all those things that went into Elvis. God, we really took a hard turn here, but yeah, but that's the beauty of, of how, yeah. how you do things. Bro. This almost this almost sounds like a reenactment of episode two. So it's like we were going somewhere and we 
there was a buckle you know, up, folks. We're going to be here for another five hours. Yeah, Waze tells us to get off the road here, and who knows? But yeah, I but I was I go back to that. I I think I you know in the sense that I I was when I went to Nashville and I've talked about this tons of times on the podcast. When I went back when I went to Nashville and and was in the studio where he recorded and you know all that, I'm like I I do like that history part of it. I'm like it's a part of history. He was a part of history. Part of inf- again. Right, we we'll go back to influencing. He influenced the Beatles. You know, he had ties into that stuff, he right? And the he's Beatles. a lot, right? Yeah. And then, to me, which I think is, if you don't listen to him, like you need to get your head out of your ass and you need to go find them. Led Zeppelin, like Robert Plant, is very open about how much of a diehard Elvis fan he was, along with. You know, a lot of those Delta Blues cats. And you can hear that influence through oh. in every aspect of Led Zeppelin. And my fa- yeah, and my favorite Led Zeppelin song is uh, you know, When the Levy Breaks. Absolutely. Oh, I mean you just hear I anyway. You know, so it's I I think that that's the that's the mastery of the guys that I revere you know, there's a an understanding and appreciation, like you said, for the musicianship and the art. Um, anywhere from the guy who can move at like supersonic, excuse me, speed, to the dude who just knows how to sit in that pocket and yeah. play something tasty yeah. for the whole three to four minutes of the song. Right. Um. So I mean, yeah, it, it it varies, but you 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 know, if you're gonna get out there and you're gonna play any instrument, not just the drums, you need to be you need to be as versatile as you possibly can be because it's it's gonna save your ass, but it's you know you got to know what your what where where your your playing comes from. So, I. I yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a good, good segue to bring us back, bring us back home there. So uh, I know we went a little, little off tangent there, but it was definitely a bring back to that point Renee was making about, hey, he may not have been a country fan, not been his forte, his thing, but, you know, it was an opportunity, a gig, good paying money, right, good. and to learn some country music. And, yeah, if you ask yourself, if, if you asked your teenage self, hey, you're going to be in a country band, you probably would have kicked your own ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hated country music when I was a kid. <laughs> and, I, and I'm and i in that same boat, right? I, I, I didn't see myself as a, uh, and I still, I, I, I've been a little bit more open. Right? Sure. I've been a little bit more, uh, maybe because of certain folks that I've been around who been I've been playing with and jamming over the you know last few years a little bit more open to country. You know, it is maybe because country, maybe to, for me, the time period I'm kind of coming around to it, it's a little bit more new country. You know, I know that's like our local country radio station, WIRK, you know, old country, new country, right? You know, and, uh, but I'm not totally sold, right? You know, but, you know, there's a few songs, you know, but I know there's a whole lot of history, like I said, here, here, and I've always talked about this again, is I would have never thought I would have went to the Country Music Hall of Fame before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. 
I mean, but there's, I mean, again, you got to respect the history and you got to respect these different players. They're all, whether, whatever genre it is, you know, it's necessary. So, yeah. So, but, um, all right. So yeah, let's come, let's come back around here. So, so you're working, you know, so you got some new EP, you're in the studio there, uh, recording. Um, so what do you got, you guys, I mean, now the things have kind of opened up, you know, here in Florida and I'm pretty much everywhere. Are you guys working on trying to get you know some uh, out there some sh- sh- shows and, and? Yeah, we're. I mean, we're tr- we're we're playing out. Um, summertime, you know, we kind of take a little bit of a break with our families. Um, kind of, uh, you know, that's the summer vacation time for the majority of all of us, which is fine. Uh, and then we pick up and we come out of the blocks running. Uh, you know, in the fall. Um, so we got some stuff coming up. Um, we haven't yet posted or listed anything as of yet. Um, cause there's just still things in the works. The one that we do know that's like a definitive is we were invited to play up at, uh, some college town up in PA the 10th of 10th of September. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be like, uh, like an after a game kind of post-show after party thing or whatever. Supposedly, the place is a huge club that's had a pretty big history of some known and made players. So we're going to play there for, I think, one or two nights or kind of move around or whatever. Nice. So that's kind of dope. And then um, we've just been we've just been writing. I think we're going to look to kind of... We have two more other songs that are kind of up on deck. Um, one of them is called Circumscription. And uh, it's very kind of like tool vibe esque. What's the time signature? Uh, dude, don't ask that one. I don't even know. That's the weird thing. Like sometimes. Hey, I know fractions are hard. <laughs> hey, and I know you're a school teacher. That's too. why I teach history because I suck at math. Um, <laughs> for real. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, that was. You know, it's funny you even bring that up. Like, so the single off of our. Our latest EP um, that came out this past February, February 3rd, is called Glass Jar. And it's very much a prog, progressive kind of tune. Because um, it starts, you know, starts in 6-8, goes to 5-4, then 6-8. Then the bridge is in 4-4, four, four, back to 6-8, and then back to 4-4. Four, four. Um, and... I had, I I think to me that's the allure of playing in an original band in comparison to a cover band. Right, is that sometimes someone will chuck you a curveball, and Justin did that in what he him him and Bruce I shouldn't say, but Justin being the guitar player, um, you know he started playing um, this riff in a five four. Um, you know, kind of ryth- rhythmic pattern, and Bruce was like, "Yo, like, what's that? That's dope." Um, and then they bring <laughs> they bring it to the to the room, and they give it to Monkey Boy, and I'm like, "Where the hell is the friggin' snare supposed to hit on this shit? Like, I have no idea. I've never played five four in my friggin' life." Um, and man, it was brutal, and I'd get freaking mad like a mother. Um, and then typical me, like, somehow my brain is like, "Hey, like." Three months later, stupid. Now you're gonna get it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And we were playing it. I was like, "What the freak!" Like it was so. <laughs> and then it was like, "Oh, like now we get it." Um, 
you know, so now when we play it, it's like nothing because we practice it so right. freaking right. much. But, uh, dude, I, I love that freaking song. Like, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that they challenged me to get out of my stupid comfort zone. You know, like I'm, I've played six, eight stuff before. So I, I got, but five, four, never. And then figuring out how to put that back into like a four, four in the bridge. I was like, like who am yeah, I? It, yeah. Cause that's pretty, pretty rare to be able to, um, do a five, you know, switch it up and so forth. You know, one of, one of our, you know, and have had quite a few guests on that are very much prog or, you know, or, Odd time signatures. One of our guests who was recently was a drumbicious Myrna. Uh, also, I think last summer, and you know, she does a lot of odd time signatures. She's a metal drummer, and you know, and but she's also playing a lot of that stuff. And yeah, I love when some of the folks uh, the, that post on Instagram like, okay, guess this time signature, and then I'm usually like, I try to listen. And say, I, I just recently she she posted one. I said, not four four. <laughs> So that's technically correct, right? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a check plus. <laughs> yes, right. So, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, so cool. So, um, yeah, and, and I think that's kind of one of the cool things that this ties into the different distilleries I've talked to is, uh, yeah, if you guys looking, if you're going to head up that way, you know, there's a couple of distilleries on, you know, not that far off of 95, you want to pop in and maybe book a show for a night or something, you know. Um, definitely, uh, I can definitely, you know, yeah. connect you guys if you, and they do a lot, a lot of original music in some of the couple, couple places here too. So yeah, we'll definitely um, talk about that. All about it. Cool. So, all right. So yeah. So, um, so yeah, summertime, taking a little break there, which is cool. You got to recharge and then come back in the fall to charge up and go, go at it. So, so, um, what's your, what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, the whole state of rock right now? I mean, I don't know. I mean, there was there's a big concert here in Florida not that long ago, Rockville, and I, I don't know. I mean, we so Justin and I, um, you know, and, and that's one of the that's one of the great things that I have to say, um, and I'm pretty sure I could speak for for Justin and Bruce. Um, that's been one of the beautiful things of being with these guys is like um, we we're good friends. Um, and I'm grateful for for their the relationship that we've managed to develop, and we've gotten to know you know each other's families. Um, Federico, our new bass player, he's uh, equally as just wonderful of a person too. And and I could see, you know, him kind of developing into a, a, a another great great friend, another component in my life. So going back to Rockville, so Justin. Um, yeah. By the way, thanks for the invite, motherfucker. <laughs> I saw the pictures on Facebook. Justin, <laughs> Justin invited me. Um, it was very kind. He he kind of treated me for my birthday back in March, and he was like, "Hey, man, I got you tickets for Rockville." I was like, "What?" Um, and we went. Uh, we were supposed to go for two days, but the weather was like ass, dude. It was bad. Um, and we got there Saturday. We were supposed to see the closer for Saturday. It was supposed to be Guns and Roses. I guess any rain would have resulted in Axel's face melting off or something. I don't know. Um, but it was bad. Um, and then the next day, no rain, no anything fantastic. Um, so the thing that really got me, like, almost shit my pants excited, was that the Foo were going to play there. 
and then yep. Taylor. And even when I talk about it now, it just feels very surreal. I'm not one of those people who gets overly emotional, you know, because I, I didn't know the freaking guy, like, one-on-one. But when I talk about his passing, it gets me. Him and Neil Peart from Rush. Um, because Taylor, for, for me, has always been a huge influence. Um you know, Neil, I think just because it's Neil, but, um, man, that, that just, I was messed up for like at least two days. I was just like, what the frick? Anyway, so, um, we, you know, we went and, uh, Nine Inch Nails almost like head explode. It was amazing. Like they were great. We saw Smashing Pumpkins, freaking amazing. Watching Jimmy, Jimmy Chamberlain. You know, sitting behind the throne, driving the bus. It's like, oh, dude. You know, Billy Corgan in freaking white face paint and makeup with some crazy sign with a large priest robe in 9,000 degree weather. I was like, dude, this guy's nuts. But he did it, and he was amazing. And then, uh, yeah, just to close it out with Nine Inch Nails was, like, phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, yes, I I think, going back to the original question, the state of rock, um, I don't hate the guy, but when Rolling Stone and other periodicals are saying that Machine Gun Kelly is the new face of rock, there's a problem, people. Well, he did play Tommy Lee in the, uh, The Dirt. He did, which was a great freaking movie. Yeah, crazy. I was telling, explaining somebody the other day about it. I'm like, okay, make sure your kids are not in the room. Yeah. Okay. It is really graphic, but it probably, I, I would assume, what we all think, if you weren't there, you would assume this is exactly what you would imagine, what 100%. was going on with Motley Crue. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like his, I like some of his stuff, like Bloody Valentine's, like, when, you know, if, uh, you know, like I said, you, you got to like everything. Um, speaking of Val- speaking of Motley Crue though, yeah, let, let, let's you know there, there's an 800 pound gorilla in the room here. Okay, Who, me? No. no. Oh. <laughs> okay. Tommy Lee breaks his ribs. Yeah. Okay. And you know what's really bad about it? When I heard the story and I was googling it, and I typed in Tommy Lee ribs, and I don't know Google. You seem very very. Uh, I don't know if racist is the right word or inappropriate, but it brought me up ads for like Chinese restaurants. Okay. <laughs> That's not appropriate. That is way not appropriate. Okay. I was not talking about China, any Chinese food, ribs, et cetera. Suck it, Google. Get That's with the right. program. Yeah, where's your AI right now? For but real. I was talking about the Motley Crue drummer. I just said Tommy Lee ribs. Okay. I guess if you were thinking about a ribs place, <laughs> not the news editors broke that Tommy Lee broke his ribs. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, so yeah. So Tommy's Lee ribs. <laughs> Not, yeah, awesome. that, I, I think I'm gonna open up a rib joint, and that's what I'm gonna call it. There. Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee's ribs, and um, so yeah, so so Motley Crue. After three years of trying to get this concert and this festival pandemic and so forth, and you would have thought that somebody would have probably died of COVID from that band, you know, with all the shit that they've got going on. But I, I and I just scratch my head. I'm like, okay, if he broke his ribs, it better be a good story, right? And I, and I still haven't heard how he broke his ribs yet. But somebody said, I got heard, in Atlanta was the first show, 
played five songs, stopped, couldn't make it, and then somebody came and filled. And I'm like, oh. And then I learned more about the story was, oh, he had broken his ribs a while back, and he had a plan to bring in Ozzy's drummer to fill. So they already had, so this they already had the plan known in that they were probably going to have to pull Tommy from the set. Right. His doctors advised him not to play. And I actually haven't really even talked about any of it, all this on, on the podcast or even on, on social media. Uh, I just find it very curious. So the next show was now in Miami. So I think this was two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I had friends of mine had said, they, Tommy Lee came out, played one song, and then switched to drummers. And, the, and then I, I'm drawing a blank on uh, the, his name, but um, who filled in. I said, well, that's interesting. I don't know. I haven't done enough research to find out. But almost to me, feels like it's very contractually obligated that Tommy Lee has to at least perform because probably that's what the contract was, that all four original members of the band had to perform this concert. So technically, which to me, I, look, I guess if you're paying whatever it is to see Motley Crue and... Uh, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, Tickets weren't cheap, weren't they? No, they weren't. Right, I was listening to another podcast. A, a to, I'm going to totally screw up. A, a to, a to, a to ages two to twenty eight ninety two. I don't know. I'm sorry, girls. I told that I just I just learned about this podcast the other day. It was uh, I'll post in the show notes. Uh, but they were talking about it. Uh, two girls that talk about uh, you know rock, hard rock, and all that in the eighties. They were talking about it was well if you switch out your you know basically it's always as we all know. You switch out the singer, that's really what changes the band, right? So my point is, yeah, would I be so upset that I didn't see Tommy Lee perform? Maybe as a drummer? Yes, maybe as a drummer. As a casual fan, probably don't give a shit. As long as Vince Neil is up there sucking with and how puffing on the wind because he couldn't keep up to the same songs. But Yeah, how's the lyrics for Dr. Phil? <laughs> he doesn't freaking say a word. Like... Well, that and that's right. So There's that too. So, Sorry. but yeah, but I think, um, yeah. So I, I, I kind of heard that, and I said, "Wow, that must be something very contractual." Because they also Nikki Six really was poo pooing on the fact that they or was happy that they didn't have to do meet and greets anymore because they were worried about being around people getting COVID. And to Nikki, really, this is what you're going to say: so, is, I mean, I like, don't want to do meet and greets anymore because we've been waiting to do. I get it. You're trying to do three years worth of a concert, and then if you got COVID, you'd have to cancel the concert, right? So you cancel the meet and greet. But at the same time, they said, oh, well, it's with the fans. Well, the fans have paid a top dollar to do those meet and greets. That's what they want, too, right? At that point, retire. Right. So so we have a whole co- concern about COVID. And let me jump now to the fact that I had tickets to go see Ringo Starr and All-Star Band last weekend. And two of the members had gotten COVID. And now they rescheduled to September. I'm like, shit, I, hopefully I can still be able to go. And hopefully something doesn't come up here. Um in you know, that time of the year, but I'm like, damn it. Well, we no. were set to go see Dave Matthews band mm-hmm. uh, about a month ago. And same thing. They sent out a, uh, a press report or something. And uh, so did Ticketmaster saying that someone in the band had contracted COVID. They didn't go into details as to who. Oh, I thought it was the press releases. Uh, Dave Matthews is not performing in West Palm anymore because they, Dave Matthews hates everybody in West Palm. Oh no! Did I say that? I'm just joking. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Yeah, I, lo- cool. I love you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there was that, and then no, I get it, but it, that's a valid point that you bring up. I mean, uh, f- for us, 
for us drum nerds, if there's a band that's like your hero, you're you're gonna wanna. That's the allure, the rationale yeah. for you wanting to yeah. go see. Um, but yeah, there's something, you know, and, and can you get, I, I, I think what's important is for those guys who are sitting in, you have to, you have to still respect what has been done. Right. And not be like, well, now I'm going to change the whole verse and the whole groove over here because I'm the new guy. And I know like. Yeah. There's there's an established relationship with that song, not just amongst the players, but the the listeners, the fans. Um, so yeah, you can totally get away with, um, you know, uh, f- filling in or having right. another drummer, you know, perform or you know if there's lineup change. I mean, dude, look at freaking Megadeth. The only original play- player in Megadeth Dave is Mustaine. Dave Mustaine. <laughs> like they've gone through like people die. Yeah, yeah with something. You know, allegations of. Al molestation, Ooh, yeah, scary. but yeah, no, I, I it's, it, yeah, I, I get it as the overall sound. You know, the guy who fills in, you know, I, I look, n- not knocking you. We're, what we're talking about it is, yeah, as you, as you came into Burnt Biscuit, right? You know, anybody who was a listener fan of Burnt Biscuit, you know, I, you know, different levels. I understand, right? Yeah, you know, Uncle Mix versus you know, well, and not, and this is to be like very clear, I. I'm with Loch Ness Monster until I die. Um, but if I was sick or, you know, and that's the other thing too. Like, how big is your ego? Because if I was sick and I couldn't play or injured and I couldn't play for a long time and we were balls to the wall swamped, I'm not going to get you a scrub. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to try to find a cat. That's the best player that who's you can. Right. As good if not freaking better than me. Right. Because I respect my bandmates. I respect the music. I respect my, you know, uh, my players. And I also respect the dude that would sub, you know, for me. Um, You know, and and that's something to consider too. You know, like, uh, If you hear any of the stuff that I've performed with Loch Ness Monster and you like it and you're like, wow, like, okay, thanks. But I'm aware that there's a freaking 15-year-old kid that will make me look like a total dipshit. And I'm okay with that, you know, and, and that's just the, the the part of it. And it should be celebrated, not... You know, and then going back to the, your question about, like, well, what's your thought of, like, the whole state of rock or the whole, let's even go bigger than the state of rock, the whole state of the music industry. Right. You know, there's so much fear and trepidation of that up-and-comer that's, like, poten- potentially could could make it taking the limelight from that multi-million dollar invest investment they put in. But you know what about that? What's again, this goes back to the analogy, Justin Bieber analogy. If it wasn't for social media becomes the equalizer to being buried in unknownness that you could be. And maybe now we're starting to see the opportunity because of the internet and things like that. TikToks and Instagrams and YouTube. You're starting to see. So, could there still be the unknown drummer kid or musician kid that's out there that nobody knows about? Yeah. Yeah, possible. 
but there's a big difference, man, from playing in your living room I, to a track I, or whatever versus yeah. playing That's live. That's fair. That's fair, yeah. And yeah. I got nothing against it. I think it's great. Um, but, you know, can, or, or at least, you know, records, it's not saying that you have to go ahead. Like, dude, like, the day of the showcase is almost dead. Right. You know, and it's like, come on, bro. Like, it's not like it's costing you anything. You get, you know, a promoter or if you, like, we do a lot of our marketing and promotion on our, of our own. You know, we do a lot of the, I, I know myself, Justin, we do a lot of the booking and trying to reach out and all those different kinds of things. So it's like, shit, man, if I can get a couple of the bands who are like just as good as us and find a dude who's like made, be like, come on out. Like, shit, I'll buy you friggin' whatever you want to drink for the rest of the night. Like, I don't give a crap. Like, I'll make it worth your while to some degree, not yeah. just in, in the entertainment, you know? Right. And I think um, it's funny, totally, like, along the same, I don't even know. what You ever get those moments where, you're, like, on, on your phone or you're, like, you, you see, like, a quick ad of something and you're just like, oh, shit, like, I forget about these guys. Friggin' Boy George. Culture Club, 1980-something. I was still, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s. Right. For you kids who don't know, look up Boy George. He's, he's kind of cool cat. <laughs> um... And he was doing a live interview somewhere over there in, in uh, Great Britain, and he made a very powerful statement. He's like, "Dude, there's so much, you know." He's like, "I wish that the the music industry," and he's true, he's very uh, accurate in this statement. Would would get on with the ball with the digital age? They're still operating or thinking under the paradigm of the '40s, '50s, and '60s, and it's like, dude, like, that's not where it's at anymore. It- the, the whole, as you said, right, it's not profitable anymore or unless you're, you know, maybe larger or, or known that you don't need to put out because now we live in a uh, download per song, per moment, and so forth. That's true. Right. But in case your listeners aren't aware, I am a little smart. I might sound like a, a buffoon, but I went to Full Sail to get my second master's in entertainment business. And now, you know this, I... We grew up during that Napster era. Yep, yep. Where it was like, you know, and and also before that, for you millennials and youngins out there who had no idea, the notion of the CD, when that came out musically, everyone was like, these will last forever. No no one will be. Nothing lasts forever. Just kidding. Um, So here we are. Napster hits. Yep. Then, you know, you have the explosion of apple and then the ipod yep the original yep. ones yep and when that hit and i think that was like what 2000s early 2000s something yeah, I, of that I, I didn't have the money i had to buy a zune <laughs> i don't even remember how the hell i got mine i forget so i always said the minute that happened i was like why the hell didn't you know, the big five, Warner Brothers, Sony, Universal, BMG, and AMI, come together and go to Steve Jobs or whoever and be like, we're going to buy all the controlling, you know, uh, stock shares of iTunes so that they can have a sense of, I guess for lack of a better term, integrity or, or, or right. control of what was right. there to be more, you know, um, but then at the same time, one could then go ahead and argue that, you know, I mean, look at us, we're not signed. We don't have a label, but you, you know, you pay your distribution fee to a joint like CD baby. And then, and then it's on every freaking streaming platform that's right. there. Apple music, Spotify, yep. 
Pandora, that's how Deezer. The pod, that's how the podcast is now. Yeah, I, I've got exactly. a hosting company. They get it out there and all that. So, so all right. So, Renee, are you ready for the rapid fire segment? I'm ready. All right. In four beats or less. That's a lot of pressure, but I think I'm ready. All right. Yeah. So now, now that you've been enjoying some knocks and done there all night. Right. <laughs> all right. So here we go. So in four beats or less. Again, this is something you didn't go through. I didn't go through this process. No, right. last yeah. time. You didn't get the rapid fire. All right. Nope. In four beats or less, who's on your Mount Rushmore of drummers? Buddy Rich, um, Todd Suckerman, Mike Mangini, Stuart Copeland. Okay. All right. That's good. A lot. Some similar names other people have you you know have mentioned, but okay, that's a that's a really good that's a really good crowd. All right. So in four beats or less. Talked a little bit about this, so I think this might be a tough one for you. Whose death was hit you harder, Neil Pert or Taylor Hawkins? I mean, Taylor, it's tragic, you know. And then knowing knowing more about what uh, what was what transpired, you know, truthfully, I don't think there was a full. Uh, dossier slash report but it, it was evident by whatever was kind of already presented from tmz and other reputable sources yeah i mean that one hit me hard um neils was a tough one too um but you know i think neils was a tough one just because of the the legacy um in some regards an influence for me as far as show, showmanship, you know, because I, I, I was lucky enough um, to see Rush perform twice. I didn't get to see them during their uh, R40 tour. But uh, just knowing what he's contributed to the drum community as a whole, um, you know, that and, and not knowing because, you know, Neil has always uh, been extremely private um, and has always shied away from the limelight for lack of a better term, no pun intended, of, uh, you know, his his success. And he's very vocal about, you know, he, he doesn't understand why people... Fawn over him. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th- those are the two. But, man, Taylor, y- you know, when I think about it, it, it still kind of rocks me because he, he's been such a, a seminal influence for me, you know, as a player, as a player myself, so... So that so that's kind of interesting. Is it said right? It was two two drummers who've had a lot of influence on a lot of drummers, including yourself. You know, one's obviously younger than the other. One's, you know, again, I think more in seen as collectively seen as stratosphere, as you mentioned, right? Neil was on your Mount sure. Rushmore, right? Um, but yeah, I I, I I agree. I mean, I think thankfully I had the opportunity to see Foo Fighters play five, six years ago at the amphitheater here in West Palm. Saw Neil perform it during the uh, 40th anniversary, 30, 2004, I think it was maybe. Maybe that's when I saw him. Yes, 2004 I saw him at the amphitheater as well. Um, two totally different drummers, but again, a lot of influences. Uh, each of them in the sense, and again, we talk going back to earlier about the lineage, right? Yeah. Of course, Taylor was influenced by Neil oh, and, yeah. and so forth. So yeah, and, I, and again, I think it's as tragic as it is for, for the Foo Fighters. And we were talking a little bit about, yeah, you can replace a drummer and probably most people go to see a show won't skip a beat and won't be so upset. As long as Dave Grohl is still singing, is it still the Foo Fighters? 
Ah, that's tough. That's really tough. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's that's kind of like it's kind of the same thing with Rush. Like, without Neil, it's not Rush. Right. Um, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan, and I think that they are probably one of the most seminal bands of of our generation. Um, and I don't, you know, that's interesting you say that because I don't think a lot of people kind of put, tie that together, put two and two together on the Foo Fighters. They've always known, and Dave is a very you know, out there person. He pretty much plays on any of He wants to perform and, and so forth. But, you know, it's always usually, it's not until your legacy, you look back. And I think the Foo Fighters will go down as one of those bands that w- is up there. Oh, yeah. They, they'd you know, have to. I think, I as think. As long as they've been together and performing and the hits and the, vis- the visibility and the, the. The induction to the Rock Hall was great. And I'm, I'm, grateful that you know taylor was alive to to see that um you know and i agree i i don't i don't necessarily think it will be the end of end of the foo um i know recently uh sir paul mccartney just you know celebrated his 80th birthday was about to celebrate his 80th birthday in glastonbury and um you know dave came out and performed with them which was great um so I don't know. I don't. I don't think it will be the the end of them. Um, and I and I'm just because they're the foo. I'm willing to kind of accept to go forward. You know, with whatever decision uh, they choose to make. And I and I hope it it is to continue to perform and continue to write and do other great things. Um, but yeah, man, Taylor. Taylor was a unique cat. I mean, his. His playing was great. His he was a you know pocket guy. He could you know solo. He wasn't necessarily a huge solo guy, and he was a good balance for Dave. Yeah, he was fantastic because of kindred drummers, and it almost seemed like they were probably the tight two tightest, and the, the most tightest in the band. Right, Absolutely. The two of them. It was Absolutely. always very inseparable. You know, and Dave is Dave had always been extremely complimentary of uh, yeah, yeah, you know, saying that Taylor was far more technical in his approach to drumming. So. I mean, I don't know. So that that was one for me that kind of, you know, hit hit me hard. Right. Okay. Fair. All right. Got another real serious question for you. Serious. Four beats or less. What kind of spinal tap moment have you ever had? Oh, dude. <laughs> the spinal, the ultimate spinal tap moment was back in August 8th, 2008 when my brain decided to take a dump on itself. Ooh. I had a brain I had a brain aneurysm and uh I was sitting there playing in my le- and I was wearing uh in-ear monitors. My left ear goes deaf. I thought it, I blown I had blown a driver. Um so I've been playing long enough to kind of like keep a rhythm with one hand and I was on the ride but I do recall that my arm started like bugging out, like it was not doing what it needed to do. And then I was out. Wow. Um, Very lucky. And I'm very grateful that the big G upstairs decided not to smite me at that time. Um, But when I woke up, it felt like I had been asleep for like 30 years, man. I was just like so exhausted, cov- like drenched. I was wearing a gray T-shirt, 
and the shirt was completely soaked from top to bottom. Um, luckily, you know, I kind of did a quick faculty check to make sure that I, I knew where I was. And, uh, the dude who actually kind of, you know, uh, kind of collect, collected me was a gentleman by the name of, uh, Steve Thorne. He's no longer with us. Um, he passed away about a year ago and it was very sad when he passed cause he was just a, a, just a phenomenal human being. And I always remember, you know, after this near death experience, um, because it's what it really is. Uh, when I went back to kind of see him, he, you know, he was playing. This was at a church, so he played uh, with us there. And he just came up to me and hugged me, and we just literally for like three mon- minutes, like didn't let go of each other, just crying. Um, and he was just like, "I'm so happy you're you're alive and you're safe, buddy." Wow. Um. So yeah, dude, that's my uh, epic spinal tap moment. Um, I mean, long story long, they had to do surgery. Um, I was in the hospital for about a month, you know, to kind of make sure everything was copacetic and and, and fine. Um, and then since then, you know, thank the Lord, I've been relatively healthy. So, wow, that was that's, my ultimate spinal tap moment. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, so if they do a new spinal tap and they steal that idea. <laughs> I get fifty percent of the proceeds. Thank you. That's too soon. I don't know, man. I, I, might, I might be down with like soon. the little mini Stonehenge coming down. <laughs> that's like the most classic move. Well, they did have a drummer spontaneous combust, so that's pretty close. That's maybe. true. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe you spon- tried. It was trying to spontaneously. Oh, that's com- funny. Combust inside your head. Maybe, right. <laughs> yeah, so, oh my god, too much. So, all right. So. um <laughs> All right, so in four beats or less, okay. What is where is the best place that you have performed at? Oh, dude, Sunfest 2019. Um, we were we were shocked that we got selected. We tried getting on for this past year, um, but Sunfest kind of has like this clause where they don't want repeat artists after four years or whatever. And this would have technically been three, but we were kind of banking on the fact that it was like, oh, you know, COVID, maybe you know, yeah. Um, but anyway, dude, Sunfest was phenomenal. And they've got a better program now, I think, right? And then you guys have played as far as local acts now. It's not the whole battle of the band thing. Isn't it something a little bit different, you know? Uh, they, and that could be wrong. They but, might. I mean, okay. I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I know they were, you know, because, I mean, we were alums. We were able to, you know, we fill out an application or I, I contacted a, a lovely uh, individual by the name of uh, Shannon. She was very kind and just, you know, fantastic. Um, you know, so that was definitely the one. We played the South Florida Fair for three uh, three days, so that would be another one that was fantastic here. Uh, it's a pretty big county fair in uh, Palm Beach County. So, yeah, very fortunate. The response was equally as positive. So, yeah, those would, uh, you know, Sunfest for sure would be yeah. kind of on the top of the, of the tier because – uh, the year we played, One Republic was there. The guys after us were um, flogging Molly and Hawthorne oh, Heights. Wow. So there were some, there's okay. some, some major players. You did, know. You feel, did you feel like a rock star that weekend? Be honest. I felt like I needed to drink more freaking water <laughs> because as soon as as soon as we started playing, 
um, I, I suffered a bad bout of tendonitis um, several years back. And I found this fantastic physical therapist slash chiropractor guy who, like, literally in a matter of days, not weeks, um, kind of helped me get back to, to health with no pain or anything like that. I was, I was, like, shocked. And then after that, I went back to, like, you know, rethinking my grip because I was holding it like a freaking caveman, like an idiot. Anyway, long story long, um, when we go to SunFest, and, and since then I kind of went back and revamped. I was living in Richmond for about a year, and I was taking lessons with this guy by the name of uh, Jeff Johnston, um, who was a student of um, Joe Morello, the famous uh, drummer for Dave Brubrecht. And uh, anyway, just kind of reevaluating my grip and being looser, we get up there, I start playing it, and I literally drank like a freaking gallon of water. And by the fourth measure, the first song we opened up with was Defiance. My entire, like, hands, arms, chest cramped up. And I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those freaking days. So, <laughs> so I, you know, you just play through the pain, like, whatever, who cares? And, and you know, that's what we did. It was the the result was was great um but yeah i i think i wish i would have drank more water <laughs> all right so there's there's to your reference to waterboy there you go high quality h2o all right very good all right so now that's all right like i said you didn't get to go through it the last time i don't know if we would have made it through that that no episode yeah, like, number no. we were definitely a wreck that that night so <laughs> Definitely, yes. Go back and listen to episode two if you want a good laugh of uh, where where the podcast has come from and the the, the craziness of uh, that episode. Uh, you know, Renee trying to do rudiments on a plastic table and how that microphone was going to pick up and sounds. So, <laughs> and our again, we can't forget it wasn't just solely us. Yes, we're going to you know it was also the third wheel there, which was Brad, right? So yeah, let's all we're just going to blame it all on Brad. Now. Just kidding. So, all right. So, all right. Thank you for uh, there. So, again, I know you've already been on the podcast. You're your alum. So, but we will. Yeah, we will give you a consolation gift, which is I just dropped. <laughs> all right. So, we're gonna give you some Doc Brown's really bad rum barbecue sauce. So, there you go. So, that's what's up, dude. So, there you go. So, this weekend when you're barbecuing out there. So check out some Doc Brown's really bad barbecue sauce. Definitely check out our Lum up there, Doc Brown. Some he's got really bad rum. Someone that's that's the name. I don't know. That's the name. Of it. It's actually it's actually good for it's spice. Good. It's, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. Great so, marketing ploy. Uh, he's oh he dude he's a he's a, it's actually he's who I went down to Sunfest with. Oh get out year, yeah. So I had an extra Very ticket. Cool. I had an extra ticket on the Sunday show, and I said hey yes. Why don't you come down? I said well you went on Sunday. I went on the Sunday. Did yeah. you go see? I really didn't care. Oh, Actually, I did see the black. I did watch a little bit of the Black Boomer. They were amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely think that. Again, didn't know, and that's how a lot of some fast bands are. Is you don't know some of these unless they're really the big names. But then if you go down and, and actually are a music fan and want to, let me try to check these guys out or check this band out. You know, um, and again, it was May. It was hot. It was hot, and it was just great seeing all these people drink. And then the, and the thing is, the night, the day before, it had poured. Yeah. And so that whole grass, that whole area down there was humid. Oh, that's right. We ran into each other. We did. We did. That's right. That's yeah, we friend. did. I was like, hey, look, all these drums and rums alums are at Sunfest. I ran into, I can't remember. Well, There's a whole bunch of people that we were there. Because my, uh, 
my future stepdaughter, she loves Lanny. So we went to go see Lanny. And dude, I'm not going to lie. They were they were amazing. They were really, really good. Um, you know, and she got to, you know, we bought her extra tickets to sit in the front where it was like the crowd and whatever, kind of like a surprise. She had a, a little girlfriend of hers. But they were great. And, oh, man, Black Pumas was like such a treat they were phenomenal really enjoyed them really really so hopefully next year you know lock that sponsors on the bill and we can rock it out too so stay stay tuned so all right so that's a good segue there renee what do you want people to check out what do you want to plug what do you want them to to go download whatever you whatever here you go you got your shameless plug yeah man so shameless plug so um you know the band that i'm i'm with for a long time that i love to be with and honored to be a part of with some phenomenal uh guys is Loch Ness Monster, and you can look up our stuff at LochNessMonsterMusic.com. Um, and if you are interested, you can, uh, right there off the top, um, there's a link to our most recent EP, which is entitled Working for a Future. Um, and I don't know if you're, you'll be showcasing some of the music. We have a single out um, by the name of Glass Jar that's there along with like the video. So check that stuff out if you dig it. Um, at the very top, it's kind of like a one-stop shop. Um, follow us on all of our socials, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram. We do have a TikTok and Twitter. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you really like what you hear, um, you know, download the music from any any Apple or, excuse me, any uh, music streaming company, you know, Google Play, Deezer, Apple Music, Pandora, Spotify, um, you know, and, uh, send us a DM or something, letting us know what you think about the music. And, uh, we got some other stuff that's kind of, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, that's kind of in the, um, I guess in the chamber. Um, and you know, when, you know, fall kind of comes around, we'll start looking to record a couple singles to kind of drop those out. Um, I don't know if it will be this year, you know, that would be fantastic. One tune, just go for it or, or next year. So, um, if you like what you hear, um, follow, send us a message, and uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. Cool. All right. So, so, again, check it out. Go download. Support local music. You know, even if you don't live here locally, it is still local music, you know, independent music. So go support, you know, our alum, Renee, Loch Ness Monster, Apple, all those places. Again, this is what it's all about. We're all trying to help support each other, get the word out there, support each other, cross-brand promotions, et cetera. Um, again, you know, Renee's a super great guy, and the rest of the band, too, um, part of the, as he talked about on the show. Oh, and do the same for do the same for Drums and Rums and for, uh, you know, Paul. Okay. So I've been, he- I've been here. I've, I've been, you know, very fortunate and blessed with the opportunity to be invited not only to participate as, as a drummer, um, and I'm humbled and grateful, you know, for, for your respect and appreciation of what I do, but I'm equally as, you know, grateful and thankful for, you know, his kindness, his friendship, um, and what he's doing, you know, with the podcast. I know a couple minutes ago we were part of the, uh, live, the happy hour live stuff. So, uh, you know, and I said it there, but it's, it's true. Um, you know, I, I, I could not be more more grateful and humbled to be a part of something with, you know, uh, an incredible individual such as yourself. So for you guys follow, show your love. Cause this guy, he's a champion. He's got some good stuff. And, uh, if you think rums, drums and rums is like, you know, from a third world, 
whole big world out there. It goes it goes together great. It's fine. <laughs> the concept behind it is is good. So all right, excellent. Thank thank you for Renee for 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 helping plug me. So yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode again. Reconnecting with uh, episode number two alum. And we're going way back there and great to get caught up with Renee. And uh, again, it's crazy what two years, looking back two years ago, where, like we said, I didn't know what we we're, what I was doing, where this was going to go. And I've learned so much. And, you know, and, and like we said, Renee's joined me in a couple other shows and so forth. And again, it won't be the last either. Uh, you know, we'll definitely have more things on. You know, he is, he is the shit when it comes to drumming here. So, you know, definitely check it out. Definitely check out Loch Ness Monster. Uh, and stay tuned for more of that. So again, I appreciate it. Again, check out all of our socials, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff there. Follow, please go ahead and give us a rating. Go over to Apple, give us a rating and a review. That is some stuff. That's what the advertisers look at. That's all they care about is how many reviews and ratings. Spotify now also does. He's got kids to feed. That's right. Yeah. Damn it. I got like 20 kids. to feed. (laughs) Um, Spotify now also does uh, ratings too. Uh, I don't think they do the reviews, but ratings, but yeah, just keep showing love again. I keep growing, you know, hopefully grow again. We talked earlier in the podcast about how we've been able to kind of keep going at it. Just don't give up, be consistent, be sincere, and, and hopefully provide good content to use those of you who are listening. So again, this is Paul with the back of pizza, pizza spirits. Have a great night. Y'all cheers. Ciao. If you like what we're doing here at drums and rums, We have a Patreon link to help with setting up interviews and creating content that you find entertaining and interesting. Also, if you'd like to sponsor, advertise on the podcast, or if you want to come on as a guest to promote something related to the show, email me at info at drumsandrums.com. Lastly, I want to thank Brad Brock Toon titled Once Upon a Bottle of Rum and check out his podcast, Jams and Cocktails. Thanks again for listening where the backbeats meet the spirits.